You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Teacher's Pet is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com forward slash teacher's pet. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host... This week, I'd like to welcome a very special guest and a friend for many, many years. I won't tell you how many because I'll tell you how old I am, but Dr. Christine Conway. Uh, Dr. Conway is in private practice here in New Jersey with a special interest in rehabilitation in dogs of all ages through aqua therapy. Many clients are looking for alternatives to drugs to improve their dog's quality of health, which led her to pursue canine rehabilitation. And I understand that her certification in canine rehabilitation is going to be complete this June. So I'm sure she's extremely excited about it. So before we meet Dr. Conway, let's take a very short break to hear from our sponsor. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Hey, boy, how you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Hi, and welcome to The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Colleen Safford. Each week, we'll focus on different topics, child pet safety, child pet training, just how to make an appropriate pet selection for your family. All of these things will be covered in each one of our episodes. So we hope that you will join us at The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Dr. Christine Conway, who will be talking to us about super seniors and taking a proactive approach to the aging canine. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. I'm so happy you're joining us on um, Pet Life Radio. Oh, it's my pleasure. Can't wait. Yeah, it's such a good topic because it's something that we haven't covered yet, so I know our audience will be very interested in it. Terrific. So let's start off. We know that it is difficult for any dog owner to watch his or her best friend age since it is a normal process, but my gosh, we feel so helpless too because we just can't communicate to them as we would maybe an elderly parent uh, as we see them getting older. So what age is a typical age for dogs to be considered geriatric? Great question, Pia. It depends on the weight of the dog is how we age them out. We consider small dogs, um, like up to 20 pounds, we consider them a super senior when they're about 11 and a half years old. Medium dogs, which run up to 50 pounds, they're, they're considered a super senior at about age 10. And then when you get to your large dogs, which are about 90 pounds, they're about 9 years of age. And then you get the big guys, which are more than 90 pounds, and they actually are considered a super senior when they're seven and a half. Wow, that young. Hmm. That young. I never realized it was quite that young. You know, we do know that, you know, as a general rule, the small dogs tend to live longer than the big guys, and that dogs living indoors tend to have a longer life expectancy than the outdoor dogs, just due to them running, potentially getting hit by cars, unfortunately, things like that. We think that the neuter dog tends to live a little longer than intact, and um, definitely the heavy dogs have a shorter lifespan. Right, right. Just obviously, just like in people. <laughs> yeah, what, what, <laughs> very much so. Right. What are some of the effects of aging on the skeletal system that you can tell our audience? Best for you to understand this is that as we age, we know that our tissues start losing their elasticity. They start becoming more hardened. And that results in stiffness in us and in the animals. And when you become stiff, you don't quite have that range in your joints. And most people see that in their dog's hind end. It doesn't, it's not moving like it used to. And when they're not using their muscles to their full capacity because they don't have that range, the muscles start to waste away and weaken. And that begins the decrease of mobility and then the decrease in the activity level, which leads to a decrease in their balance. And we call this the cycle of decline. Ah, interesting. Okay, and and can that start at any age? Again, it can start at any age. It really is dependent on the dog, the dog's environment, and, you know, truly the dog's gene pool. Okay, interesting. So the genes do come into play, and that's important. Genes, I really feel, do have a role in the dog's life, just as they very much do in ours. Okay, very interesting. And I'm sure weight is an issue as well. And and I know so many of my clients, um, many times I see a dog come in and, and you know they're overweight. And the excuse obviously is they're, they're big boned. What do you tell clients when you have an, obviously a dog coming in or uh, even a cat that, that is overweight? How do you convince them that they're, they're not big boned? <laughs> well, convincing is a hard one. You, know, you try not to offend anybody. Uh, this is the harder one. I, 
sometimes we'll just say, yes, your pet is big boned, but in a scale of one to ten, this is what we're reaching for, and I do have my charts and graphs and pictures that I can show them, but optimally what we try to get them to understand is that you should be able to feel the ribs without having to push very hard. And I said, even on ourselves, you should be able to feel rib. There is no muscle on the rib. The muscle is between the ribs. So if you can't feel the ribs, that means you're putting down too much fat. And so we know we're starting to get into trouble there. So I gently try to guide them, see if I can't make them aware that their pet is heavy. And and then those that are interested, I very much hand out my cups and say, okay, this is what we need to do for a diet. This is how much ideally should be fed on a day-to-day basis. And uh, many people are receptive, others aren't. And uh, my biggest challenge is, is I tell people, I can't control treat factor. Right, There's that's no way right. in hell I've got a control treat factor. So therefore, the person that's in far- charge of the food bowl is in charge. And know that your pet is getting their calories by the treat. So let's cut back at the food bowl so we can keep everybody humored in the treat factor because there's just no way that's getting cut back. So we try to decline the amount of food that they're getting, knowing that they're getting their lovely treats, but that's okay. That seems to keep everybody happy. Most people are willing to take that kind of a stand on it than saying, no, this is all you get. This is what you're going to do. So you have to be flexible. And most people are willing to do that and give it a try. And what do you say, because I'm sure you've heard this too, but my dog is starving. He looks like he's just always hungry all the time. Yeah, and so am I. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, I realize that, and that does get to be a factor. We will sometimes play around with different foods. There's obviously foods out there that are less than calorie, but there are foods out there that make dogs feel more full than other foods. Um, I'm a big fan of supplementing with... um, fresh string beans or frozen string beans. String beans, you can feed twice as many string beans than you can carrots on a calorie basis. String beans, a couple cups of string beans goes a long ways and tends to make a lot of dogs feel full. And if your dog's truly, truly that hungry, they're going to eat the string beans. Oh, that's a great point. Is it true? I know so many people give carrots um, and they, obviously their stool is orange. Are carrots difficult to digest? I mean, carrots and anybody. It's a function of how well do you chew them. Uh, okay. <laughs> to get okay. anything out of them. And again, you know, I don't mind the carrots, but um, like a half a cup or a quarter cup of carrots is like 17 calories and a quarter cup of green beans is like nine. So okay. carrots do have twice the calorie of green beans. So I tell people, play around. I mean, if your dog happens to like carrots, fine, but it's the chewing factor. So that's why it comes out. If they chew them really well, they'll get more out of them. Otherwise, you're going to get the bits and pieces and lovely color. Excellent, excellent. So what are some of the early signs that your dog is aging physically? What you may or may not notice is that um, their daily functions in life, dogs, you know, the dogs that they're sitting for their meals, are they sitting a little slower? Are they a little slower to stand up? Are they a little slower when they're lying down to get back up? Um, Are they slowing down on the stairs? jumping. Do they used to jump up on you all the time or jump up on guests and now they're really not jumping as much? Getting in and out of the car for the dogs to get to go for rides frequently. Sometimes there's a little bit of an effort to get in or they start looking at you like, could you hoist me in or help me? Some of the the outside time, these dogs just go out to potty and walk back in versus hanging out like they used to and and playing with their buddies and whatnot. Um, Those are some of the 
major ones that most people will notice, especially the stare factor. They're, they're, they're noticing that dogs just don't want to do stares or seem to be having difficulty doing the stares. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like that you brought up about um, the play issue, too, uh, because so many people come to me and they say, my dog used to love to play with dogs, but now it's as if the dog doesn't tolerate dogs as well. And couldn't that just be a key factor, an aging factor as well? Oh, very much. And it's probably a pain factor. They, they, mm. They're a little owie. They, it, it no longer is fun being bumped. Right, right. So it goes into play factor. There's usually a lot of bumping and a little bit of body slamming, and, and, and that hurts now, and, and they recognize that. Right, right. Great point. You also suggest non-therapeutic treatments for some dogs. So can you expand upon that a little bit? Some of our non-therapeutic, and it's, I'm not even sure if I can call these therapeutic per se, but definitely weight control is one of my non-therapeutics. We can get that weight under control. Boy, does that really benefit the dog as they go into their golden years. We like to modify the home environment. So many of us have like hardwoods and tiles and linoleum floor. And dogs just don't be able to see to do those floors very well anymore. Um, they start slip sliding or people see them start to scramble really fast from one end of the room to the other. And so we recommend putting down non-slip runners, um, whatever it takes. If you've got a hardwood stairs, put down the little, they've got the little strips that you can put on without having to carpet your stairs to make their footing um, more secure for them. We consider that therapeutic because these dogs are hurting themselves when they go to turn a corner and they're wiping out on the hardwoods especially mm-hmm. or they're, they're slipping, sliding and falling down the stairs and you don't often see that and that, that precludes them wanting to not do the stairs anymore because you didn't see that fall. When you need to get your dog in and out of the truck, we definitely recommend ramps or helping them so they're not hurting themselves there. We consider that actually um, a non-therapeutic treatment. Just don't let these dogs hurt themselves because they're going to want to do it. Mm. But they, they help them out. Give them a little bit of a break and then provide a nice, soft, therapeutic bed for them. Try to get them off the floor. Try to get them cushioning their joints and whatnot. And then we definitely uh, get into the supplements. What do you want to use to try to help your dog out in the supplement mode that's considered non-therapeutic on that? So that that's my basic do is non-therapy treatments. Everything else is considered therapy. And what supplements is? Is it basically universal for all dogs or do you take a look no, at the individual? No, we pick and choose whatever the dog's issue is. I also have to pick and choose my owners. Some owners are more receptive to certain supplementation than others. And unfortunately or unfortunately as it may be, there is a myriad of supplements on the market between humans and dogs and many of my dog people tend to want human supplements and that's fine and dandy except some of these supplements unfortunately are not under anybody's regulation Mm. and so often what's on the label is not what's in the bottle and then what's in the bottle is often not available to the human or to the dog but the price is right. Okay. And also, I mean, you hear it all the time that people are adding their own supplements. And what are the dangers of that? Well, unfortunately, a lot of these supplements are what they call nutricidals and they're herbs and and whatnot. And we don't have a full understanding of what the impact of mixing herbs with some of the day-to-day medications that some of these dogs are on. So unless you're thoroughly versed in herbal management, you know, I tell people, don't. I mean, and unfortunately, I am not versed in a lot of herbal management. I try to direct these people to somebody who's, 
into the holistic medicine routine that might be more knowledgeable on the herbs. But you can have disastrous effects with some drugs and some herbs. So I tell good. people don't arbitrarily just pick something because you heard it was good and, right. and use it on your dog. Yeah, great, great point. Good. Let's just take a real quick break because I have a bunch more questions to ask. So don't go away. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Hey, love to read, but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough? For all of us on-the-go people, Audible has the answer. Best-selling audiobooks for your iPod or MP3 player. For Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books, such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and the author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life Lessons I Learned from Dogs by Seinfeld's John O'Hurley, and many, many more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash teacher's pet. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash teacher's pet for your free audiobook. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win With Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and win with dogs. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvan, your host, and joining us today is Dr. Christine Conway, talking to us about aging pets and what we can do to help them through the geriatric years. So, Chris, you did talk a little bit about supplements. Is there anything in particular that you might give to a dog if you feel like the dog is really becoming lame and you realize the dog is in pain? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of a product called Dasiquin. It's by the same company that does Cosequin, which many people are familiar with, and they also make a human line called Cosamine. I know there's a human line of Dasiquin, but I don't know its name off the top of my head. And what it has, it's glucosamine and chondroitin, which everybody is familiar with, but they've added avocado and soybean. And these particular oils from these products, they really feel all together, all four of them have shown um, in cell studies to be a better combination to inhibit a lot of the aging process of breaking down of the cartilage. So we think that it really helps with some inflammation and pain control as well as trying to keep up cartilage repair. As long as dogs have 
cartilage left in their joints and haven't become so arthritic, these products do provide benefit to an awful lot of dogs. And um, many universities have done some studies on them, so they do have some what they call evidence-based medicine behind them versus just testimonials from people. I like Glycoflex as well. I think that it is also a terrific product that's also been looked at at the university level. So I just tell people, you know, whatever your conviction is, whatever your price range is, um, these products work well. And they, and they can be complemented with an NSAID or any other um, drug that these dogs might be on, and, but they do seem to improve the, the joints and help with some pain and inflammation and often can be started before you get them going on more drastic pain medications on these guys. Okay, so maybe the earlier people see signs, the quicker they should really go to their vet. Would you not recommend that? Right, Definitely. Okay. Yes. You know, you see something, it's better to get on something sooner than later. Right, right. I think many people think they need to wait until the dog really is a true geriatric before they put the dog on something. But if if they're seeing something different. We try to be proactive in our line of work. And it's a little difficult because we find many people are reactive. Um, And it, it gets to be a hard sell on try to do something before it becomes an issue. I, many people are opposed to medications and whatnot, and you just have to try to convince them that this is something that potentially can lengthen your dog's joint span, mm-hmm. you know, make your dog more comfortable down the road because it's sometimes hard to get them back once they get so painful. Right. People also don't realize how important warm-up and stretching exercises are for their dogs um, before they begin any exercise program, and that could even be a, a simple walk. So can you tell us the benefits and some key points for people to remember? When it comes to the super senior, and I think that's a kinder word sometimes in geriatric, people don't like to hear the word geriatric, so we call them super seniors. Nice. <laughs> These guys... The benefit is what you're trying to do is increase the blood flow and the nerve awareness to the muscle groups before you say, hey, let's go for that walk. And for the super senior, we like to do these what we call slow, gradual warm-ups. And they're very sort of mundane and boring to us, but they're very important to the dog. And we like to do these stretches where we take their heads and have them follow a cookie and like do the head all the way up and the head down between the legs and the head to like the left shoulder and take your head and just start stretching, start limbering up, start getting into motion uh, type of a thing. Have them step up on a stool stretch out that back. Again, you're just trying to get these muscles, trying to get the elasticity back into them, trying to increase their range of motion before you go out on that walk and and warm them up. It's sort of like applying a huge hot pack to them to get them warmed up. Instead, you're doing these subtle little things like getting them to spin in one direction or spin in the other direction. Of course, they do that very slowly. Spin seems to be such a fast word, but it's just slowly walk in a circle in one way. Uh, we also like to have them sit and try to wave at us, you know, like the dog that gives five, that you try mm. to get them to give five higher and higher, because that helps stretch the front end. We sometimes neglect the dog's front end because we're also focused on their rear end because that seems to be where the majority of the problems are from. But, you know, we start with that kind of a warm-up and, and you know, teach people. It's Again, some of this is dog-dependent and it's owner-dependent. Some dogs are not amenable to certain little warm-up stretching exercises than other dogs. So 
we sort of play it by ear on the dog and what the owner is capable of doing too. But you no know, warming your dog up before you go out for that little walk is a very good idea, and we highly encourage it. It's nice for the bond too. I think my dogs love to be stretched, and you could just see it like a nice deep muscle massage, and they thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, they just lay there and <laughs> yes, very much. Yeah, so I, I think it probably feels good to not only the human but the dog as well. I guess it's, it's a great bonding technique. The dogs really do get into, especially after time. They're like, "Oh, we're going to go through that again." Cool. Yes, yes, exactly. What I found interesting when I was reading your material is you recommend strengthening exercises, and I never even thought about that. And we we know how important it is, obviously, for humans, especially as we age. Is it just as important, obviously, for dogs? Yeah, it's strengthening. It's not like we send them to the gym and they they do weightlifting or or things like that. <laughs> Basically, what strengthening exercises in our super seniors are, it's a series of exercises that we start with, but it's it's more the, it's the repetition. Repetition builds strength. So, like we do repetitions and sets when we lift weights and do things like that. We do repetitions and or sets to exercises. So some of the exercises are like the basic sit and then we have the dog stand. Like, you know, we'll say do that five times. If that causes the dog to be sore, we cut it back to two. But most dogs can do that. But repetition is what is the important thing to get the strength up and build up a little bit more tone and strength in the muscles. And it is, it's quite interesting. We have to tailor it because we find that some dogs sit and pop back up. And then we understand, we see that some dogs have no idea what a down is. They really weren't taught a down. Or mm-hmm. they go down and go, what, are, what am I doing down here? So, But these are interesting exercises that really can perform good strength. It's just trying to get them to do it. So we have to play around with things. Dancing, some dogs can dance where we have them put their front feet up on us and walk a little bit forward or backwards. But there's other dogs who are like, I'm not jumping on you. I can't do that. So again, we play around with things on them. But no, we do strengthen because that's how you get your muscle tone back to make these guys feel better. What I've recommended to people also, and I've always done this with my dogs, is I, they have three down positions, you know, one on the right hip, one on the left hip, and then the sphinx position. And obviously, they use different muscles when they're in Very different much. positions. Very yeah. much so. But it's, again, you know, you and I have performance dogs, and they've got their different commands and their different down positions. It gets to be fun playing with the pet dogs who have no idea what you're talking about. And, and down is usually onto a hip, and they've got their preference of which hip they want to be. And Meanwhile, we actually try to retrain these 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds to a sphinx position. We prefer the sphinx position if we can get them to do it, and often we can. It's just a matter of, you know, working with the owner, working with their favorite treats. You know, we keep calories in mind when we do that, but we do an awful lot of treat. But we also do a lot of clicker treat training, and and it's never too late. The super seniors take to clickers and treats. That gets to be a faster age to get them to learn these exercises, and then the repetitions get to be fun for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Talk a little bit about dogs having a loss of stability and balance. Talk a little bit more about that, if, if you don't mind. Well, again, when these guys lose some of their 
mobility and they start getting decreased muscle atrophy, it leads to a loss of proprioception, which then leads to this loss of stability and balance. This is why your dogs who've been going across these smooth floors for years, all of a sudden they're slip sliding away and their legs are going out from underneath them. It's, again, part of the aging process. And the actuality is there's actually these little receptors that sit in our joints that indicate where our body is in space. And with time, these receptors don't work as well because our joints aren't working as well. So we work on exercises for these dogs to awaken their nervous system and to make their bodies aware of where they are. So we do like weight shifting type exercises. We do picking up one leg at a time type exercises. It's almost like the core strengthening like we like to do, but it it gets the body shifting and thinking about and it gets them working in the joints and these receptors in the joints start to wake up and go, oh, I know where I'm supposed to be. And again, it goes with the strengthening exercises um, but it's we've seen some miraculous recovery in certain dogs that were really slip sliding when they started to get their balance back. They were walking so much better across the slippery floors, which, which tend to be their their downfall later in life for the slippery floors. Yeah, isn't it for all of us? <laughs> <laughs> so I tell people, look at older people. They got walkers and canes. Uh-huh. There's a reason for that. That's right. That's right. I'm really excited about my next question for you because uh, I live and die to swim my dogs. I get such great joy out of watching them swim and they love it themselves. So what are the benefits of underwater treadmills and swimming? They're two totally different activities. At Aquadog, we tend to use the pool for more of a cardiovascular workout where swimming is really good because you get non-weight bearing on your joints. So you're strengthening your muscles without putting a lot of wear and tear on your joints. And so for painful dogs, um, this seems to be better for them. You've got the same effects with swimming as you do with the underwater treadmill as far as the buoyancy factor. And here at least... um, versus out in the lake system, we keep the water between 85 and 90 degrees, so it's very therapeutic for these sore, achy muscles and joints. As far as the underwater treadmill, where we love it is because we can control the water height, we can control how fast the treadmill is going, and so with the warm water, which helps improve the circulation, the water pressure helps reduce like swelling and edema that's going on if they've got swelling or edema in their joints or their legs. It's a low impact exercise. So again, you get that minimal pressure going on on these aging joints. And the, and the buoyancy just also, again, it decreases the pressure on the aging joints and it's just overall lower impact on joints, 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 but yet you get the resistance, so you get the buildup of body tone, muscle tone, things like that to help increase their strength without putting a lot of wear and tear on, again, the joints. Right, so we right. It. Yeah. Oh, I bet. The dogs probably feel great, too. You know, it's fun. They freak out the first couple of times in there, and I've got so many who just come, like pull their owners to the door going, come on, <laughs> come on, let's go, let's go. I need to go in there. Right. So right. It, it is fun because owners are like, well, my dog's not a water dog, and I can't tell you how many breeds we have coming through the door who are not water dogs. One iota, and they all love it. Yes, yes. Having herding breeds myself, I, after Goldens, I said, nope, any dog I own will have to swim. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and lastly, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but can you just talk a little bit about pain management? 
Pain management. There are many things that we can do with pain management before we hit the NSAIDs and the hot things like hot packs where we use in humans. You know, we all run through the heat pad and whatnot when we've got an ache or a pain. So we use that as well in the dogs. That does help decrease pain. It increases muscle contractility. It increases the blood flow to the tissue, so it does help a healing process on those sore, achy muscles and joints. Um, we do cold packs. That also can, can cause the constriction, so that gets rid of the inflammation, which if you get rid of the inflammation, it gets rid of the pain, um, which is why you find a lot of these older dogs prefer to lay on the cold floors because it feels better to them. Uh, we use TENS machines, which is really electrical current that stimulates specific nerve pathways to decrease pain. They use it in humans a lot, especially for lower back pain and things like that. So we do use those kind of modalities. We use a cold laser therapy, which emits protons that get into the cells and uh, help decrease the inflammatory pain process pathways that are going on. And many people are into that. And then if that's, you know, not controlling everything, we do do non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, your Rimadels, your Deramaxes, your Prevacoxes, your Medicans, et cetera, of the world. Only because most of these dogs have some sort of arthritic condition. And inflammation is our number one enemy. And we really need to control the inflammation. Inflammation causes degradation of that joint. So we need to use something as much as people truly oppose drugs sometimes. You need to use a drug that decreases the inflammation as well as the pain. And some do pain and they don't do the inflammation. So by controlling that inflammatory effect, you definitely benefit the dog. Excellent. Wow, there was you gave us such a ton of information. And I just want to say Dr. Conway is going to be giving a workshop here at St. Hubert's. And you know what? I just put my paper away and I can't find the date. Do you have it in front of you? I believe it's Chris. June 6th. Sunday, June yes. 6th. We'll be there from 9 to 4. Yes, yes. June 6th, 9 to 4. And you can check our website out, which is stheuberts.org, for more information. So if you are near New Jersey, uh, please make sure you come because it's going to be a wonderful, very interesting day. Uh, if people want more information also, Chris, um, do you have a website or place where they can go? Yes, it is um, www.aquadogrehab.com. Wonderful, wonderful. So when does the book come out? I'm not sure we're doing a book. We're having fun doing our seminars. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. But thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So don't forget training session next week. And a special thanks to our producers for making the show happen. Also, if you have any questions, ideas for the shows, or comments, please email me at pia at petliferadio.com. So until next time, this is Pia signing off once again. And thank you, Chris, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Bye-bye. Thank you. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.